We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where I, your host Alex, rotate between discussing true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what the grade one teacher from down the road would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we are back talking all things ooky spooky being a paranormal location, but before we dive into that, I do have a little bit of housekeeping and a case update to provide, as well as my need for a distraction. So first and foremost, when it comes to housekeeping, I do want to give a little bit of a reminder that Weird Destinations, a mini travel blog over on Patreon, will be resuming in October. This feature is available for both tiers, and you can check it out on patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. In terms of the case update, now this is regarding the Kristen O'Connell case out of Ovid, New York. I recently received an email from Kristen's mother, Phyllis, who had listened to the episode and wanted to give me a little bit of clarifications regarding what I reported. So according to Phyllis, Kristen flew into Boston and a business associate of her dad's, Bill Beck, picked her up and drove her the next day to Shopping Town Mall in Syracuse. Jim picked her up along with David at the Shopping Town Mall. I did want to highlight this just because if you do listen back to the case, I believe there was just some discrepancies in what I saw online and it's amazing that Phyllis reached out to me just to provide some clarifications and I just want to say if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please do. I think it's important to keep talking about cases that maybe other podcasts haven't talked about as of yet or that haven't been highlighted so that we can still breathe life into them and hopefully come up with some form of answer at the end of the day. As a reminder, if you have any information regarding Kristen O'Connell's murder, please contact the New York State Police at 585-398-4100. Now in terms of my need for a distraction, this week I need a distraction from tooth pain. So I don't know if I've mentioned on the show or not, but I recently had a crown put in on one of my back I think, right-hand side of my mouth. Anyways, the crown didn't work, and now your girl needs an implant, which is not ideal by any means, shape, or form. So at this point, I am starting to feel a little bit of pain, a little bit of pressure. It's not fun, so please bear with me in the next couple weeks until I get things sorted out. I'm hoping that the implant procedure won't force me to take any time off of the show. However, if that is the case, I will let you know ASAP. Now that we've got all of that out of the way, I think it's time to get a little bit spooky and discuss this week's paranormal location. For this week's paranormal episode, I decided it was time to go back to the state of West Virginia in the United States of America. More like United States of Weird though, am I right? I mainly wanted to go back to West Virginia because it seems like it's been a hot minute since we've chatted about this state. And the more research I do for the show, the more I realize West Virginia is a state chock 
full of spookiness and want to rotate in some of its many, many stories. So grab your bags and your travel snacks as we head to the Old Sweet Springs Resort within Monroe County. As always, we'll discuss the history, some occult observations, and then dive into the reported haunts. Due to the potential coarse language and adult themes discussed in this week's episode, listener discretion is advised. Old Sweet Springs Resort seems to have many names. For example, it's also referred to as Old Sweet or Sweet Springs Sanatorium, depending on who you talk to. Whatever you may want to call it, it's located at 19540 Sweet Springs Valley Road in Gap Mills, West Virginia. The property of the former historic Mineral Spring Resort was originally settled by local Native Americans before being taken over by colonial settlers. Based on what I read online, Gap Mills was settled by the forefathers of bands we know called Sioux or Cherokee or Iroquois, according to the American Indian website. And my sincere apologies in advance, as I feel as though I mispronounced those band names wrong. Please let me know if I did. I mean, no disrespect. Just sometimes words are hard, even if I do jolly phonics them. From what I gathered, a man named James Moss moved onto the property by 1760. James, according to some resources I came across, such as the abandoned online website, noted he would build himself a cabin on this property. And I should mention, I don't know if James took the land or... Or if he just, uh, I don't know. I don't have those details, unfortunately. However, what I do know is that he would eventually sell said cabin and the property to a man named William Lewis. Some claims state that James Moss had no title to the land. So kind of makes me wonder if he just kind of stumbled upon the property and was like, I'm going to build a cabin right here because that's kind of what happened back then. But nonetheless, some sources claim that he was actually forced to vacate the property sometime in 1774 when King George III gave a land grant to William Lewis. Whatever ended up actually happening, William would go on to take over the property, which contained over a thousand acres of land. And there he would build what we now know as Sweet Springs Resort, amongst other names, in 1792. Now, who was William, you might be wondering? Well, according to reports, William Lewis was a Revolutionary War veteran. His brother was General Andrew Lewis, who reportedly commanded the Virginia Militia at the Battle of Point Pleasant. And no, the battle did not involve Mothman, although that would have made for a pretty epic story. In the beginning, William reportedly built a two-story cabin down the road from where the Sweet Springs Resort would eventually be. Perhaps not happy with where he built his cabin, he eventually would move to the now-known location of the building sometime in 1784, creating a luxury resort. However, due to his ties with government officials, the resort would serve district court meetings from 1795 to 1807. Here's a lesson, don't have a big space unless you're okay with being asked to host dinners, brunch, or, you know, legal proceedings. According to the Sweet Springs Sanatorium website, William built a proper courthouse and even a jail during this time period. Supposedly, the jail house still stands on the property and may be one of the oldest within the West Alleghenies. In 1804, William would reportedly split up the land of the property between his two sons, John and Charles, before eventually turning over the Sweet Springs property in 1805 to John. 
Some accounts do differ on this, but I'm just stating what seemed to be the most consistent information. Changes to the property didn't stop then, though, and for a building of this age, they rarely do stop. To elaborate on these changes further, I'm going to directly quote from Wikipedia. Quote, In 1830, the original buildings at the spring were taken down and work commenced on a commodious brick hotel designed in a classical style reminiscent of Thomas Jefferson's architecture, leading many to attribute the structure to him though evidence suggests it was in fact designed by a protege of Jefferson. This building was completed by 1833, and soon thereafter, the Sweet Springs Company was formed in 1836 to manage the property. The property, which was becoming a blossoming resort more than anything, began seeing more visitors from all over the country making visits due to its closeness to the mineral water from the White Sulphur Springs. See, many folks believed and, well, still believe that the mineral water nearby the resort had healing powers. Needless to say, between the waters and the building itself, Old Sweet became a popular place for people to visit. Some of the visitors of Old Sweet include first United States President George Washington, fourth U.S. President James Madison, 14th U.S. President Franklin Pierce, 8th President Martin Van Buren, 13th President Millard Fillmore, French aristocrat and military officer Marquise Lafayette, and many more. Although it was a popular location, this beautiful building came with a pretty expensive upkeep bill. After over 70 years of ownership, the Lewis family reportedly sold the property to Alan Taylor Caperman and Oliver Bierney in 1852. According to online resources I came across, under this new management of Allen and Oliver, the resort was restored and new buildings were added in 1857, including five cottages. The resort stayed in operation through the Civil War, where accounts claimed that Union soldiers stayed at Old Suite, but luckily the building did not see any damages. That doesn't mean that there weren't any casualties on site though, but just the building seemed to have bypassed any major damages unlike others during this period. Speaking of the property, and just to give a little bit more of a visual, according to a clipping from the Independent Herald newspaper, which is dated November 20th, 1924, the building and property at that period of time possessed the hotel, the cottages, bathhouses, a swimming pool, and a dance hall. Even when you look at pictures of the property now, there is so many parts of it, almost like it's its own little village. By 1902, the Lewis family regained ownership of Sweet Springs and began operating the resort again until 1920. However, all things must come to an end, and apparently the resort went bankrupt 10 years later in 1930. Although beautiful and close to mineral water, Old Sweet saw a decline in business. According to reports such as the Haunted Journey's website, a significant factor that led to the decline of Sweet Springs was the lack of any railroad line near the resort. With the Lewis family being presumably, based on information I came across, being unable to keep up with the maintenance bills and the lack of steady income, the property would begin to switch hands repeatedly. As mentioned, in 1930, the building went into bankruptcy and reportedly into receivership. By 1942, Old Sweet would open its doors again under a new name and identity. Sweet Springs would be revised as Sweet Springs Sanatorium, and its doors were open to those who were struggling with tuberculosis. I think I have gone over what tuberculosis is on the show for previous sanatoriums and hospitals, such as Nopeming, which I discussed back in January of this year. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I would highly recommend you do so. Sweet Springs Sanatorium lasted until 1945, when the state of West Virginia reportedly bought the former resort slash sanatorium to be a home for the elderly. 
Old Sweet was now known as the Andrew S. Rowan Memorial Home for the Aged. This new identity lasted for quite some time, which was recognized for its history and added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1970. After this designation, the building saw a major three-year renovation from 1972 to 1975, but even with the renovation, the hands of ownership were bound to change again. According to the website Haunted Journeys, the Rowan House was closed in 1993, and the state turned the facility over to Monroe County to establish a rehabilitation center for substance abuse treatment. Unfortunately, this project reportedly failed, and by 1996, the former resort was sold into private hands. I'm not certain as to why the project failed, but what I do know from the online documentation I came across was that the building sold to a new owner in 2005. There were reportedly huge aspirations that this new owner was going to breathe life back into Old Sweet, but accounts claim that they actually passed away unexpectedly before anything could be done. The resort was then auctioned to Oris Ashby Berkeley on November 12th of 2015, who still owns the property and buildings to this day, from my understanding. Reports I came across online claim that Berkeley has established a non-profit organization called the Sweet Springs Resort Park Foundation in order to restore the property. Repairs for the former resort slash sanatorium slash old folks home slash rehabilitation center include things such as repairing the Jefferson Arcs, roof repairs, and an asbestos survey and an environmental study. In order to fund these repairs and renovations, Old Suite offers various visitation options such as tours and events. For example, you and your family or friends can rent the former Lewis House, which according to the Sweet Springs Resort Park website includes six bedrooms, four baths, and a full kitchen and a dining room. Based on the website, you can rent the whole house for $500 USD a night. You can also get married on the property, which includes the following description from the website. Quote, a wedding at the Sweet Springs Resort Park will create the perfect day for your special occasion, with rose gardens, the grand hotel, the tent, the stage, and the luscious front lawn. You can plan a wedding that is everything you dreamed of. The park also offers unique and one-of-a-kind backgrounds for your pictures. End quote. And, of course, you can purchase tickets to explore the paranormal within the walls of the former buildings. Supposedly, you and nine of your friends, being ten people max, can book in sometime to see what's going bump in the night at Old Suite for $750 USD a night. I like how in their website they note that you might not necessarily encounter something the first time you visit. However, you might. It just kind of depends. I mean, the paranormal is not a tourist attraction where, you know, something is automatically going to happen the first time you go. It could, it might also not. Speaking of what goes bump in the night, we're almost at the point of discussing the reported haunts. But before that, let's get into some occult observations about the Sweet Springs Resort. Occult Observations is a little fun segment where, when able, I read the good, the bad, and the downright weird online reviews of a location we're discussing. Let's start off with some of the negative reviews and end the segment off with some positive ones. And I will say, this week's Occult Observation may not be as filling as previous ones I've given in the past due to lack of juicy reviews. So to kick off the negative reviews, I have one from user Jim Smith, which I saw on Facebook back from October 24th of 2019. And Jim left a one-star review where he, he literally put, stop begging for money all the time, end of review. And I'm just going to say, Jim, 
Jim, do you not, do you know, do you know how hard, how expensive it is to restore a place like this? Do you? Because I feel like you don't or else you, you wouldn't have left that comment. But anyways, on to the next review. So this is from user Ginger Gilmore Jones, and I found this on Google Reviews. This was posted two years ago, so probably 2020 at the time that this episode comes out, and the review is two out of five stars. And Ginger wrote, glad to see it's being restored, dot, dot, dot. And I just want to remind folks that if you're leaving reviews, don't leave a crappy review if the review itself isn't bad. So for example, that'd be like giving McDonald's a one-star review, but gallivanting on the internet saying, oh my gosh, I had the best junior chicken sandwich of my life here. One-star review. That just doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. But now onto the positive reviews. So the first one is by user Crystal Sprodlin, and I got this off of Google Reviews about three years ago, so 2019 when the episode comes out, and they left a five out of five star review. The review reads, this place is huge and beautiful. It is in a state of repair at this time. The land and the building has a lot of history and the building needs to be saved. There is a creepy factor to right now. Many people say it's haunted. End of review. Now, the last positive review I have is from Asylum's Project, and I found this on Google Reviews, another review from 2019. They left out of five stars, and the review reads, Haunted place full of amazing history. Looking forward to the historical preservation of this incredible place. End of review. So, as mentioned, not a lot of juicy reviews this week, but hey, it is what it is. Now that we've observed some online reviews, let's get into the reported haunts of the Sweet Springs Resort. So not to lean too heavy on the fact that Sweet Springs is old, but you have to admit, a building that's been around for over 200 years is bound to have some stains of history living within its walls. This isn't to say that every old location is bound to be haunted, however, buildings with a history such as Old Sweet may just fit a stereotypical mold. It may come to no surprise to listeners that there have been various reports that visitors to Old Sweet have witnessed some unexplainable things. For today's episode, I'm going to first talk about the paranormal accounts from the third episode of Destination Fears first season, and then I'll cap off the spookiness with some random accounts I found online. As always, if you have your own accounts when it comes to Sweet Springs, send them my way. I'd love to hear them. Dakota, Tanner, Alex, and Chelsea went to Sweet Springs as mentioned during their first season. And for those who have never watched Destination Fear and maybe you haven't tuned into a previous Weird Distractions episode to hear me explain the show, I'll break it down really quick. So basically, investigators Dakota, Chelsea, Tanner, and Alex travel to some of the most reportedly haunted locations all across the world where they do usual investigation stuff, but they also add a little bit of a twist to it. The twist being that they each sleep individually in a reported hotspot of the location. According to the episode, here are some of this location's hotspots. First up being the basement, which I feel like every haunted location that has a basement, it's that's going to be an automatic hotspot. I mean, it's just a basement, but they're always haunted. They're always haunted. Anyways, reports of heightened activity have been supposedly made in the basement with Ashby, who once again is its owner, noted that the catacombs of this area were once slave quarters and where the crops were once stored. There have been reports of people hearing what sounds to be chains being dragged on the floor, along with a voice of a woman whose arm was allegedly ripped off in the giant laundry machine. And there have been EVPs caught of this woman saying, my arm 
farm and laundry. Now, unfortunately, I don't have any more details about this incident, so it's hard to say whether or not it actually happened, but nonetheless, it's still kind of creepy. The next hotspot indicated in the episode was the basement in the hospital wing. Once again, another basement. Of course, it's going to be haunted. <laughs> Supposedly, this is where many patients who were suffering from tuberculosis resided in. Not much was exactly stated in terms of the paranormal activity that wasn't similar to other areas, but it was identified as a hotspot. The next hotspot is the third floor, where there have been reported sightings of a full-bodied, human-looking apparition of what seems to be a woman wearing a long dress. Not from, you know, 2022. This woman supposedly can be seen in the window of room 3007. Other reports from this floor include people being touched by an unseen force, and people have also reportedly heard someone screaming at them to get out while on this floor. Next up on the hotspot list is the second floor west wing, where there have been accounts of random unexplained noises that have been heard by those visiting Sweet Springs. We will discuss this a little bit further in a bit, so hold your horses. Next is the first floor. So the first floor supposedly possesses this giant mirror that some have reportedly looked into, only to never want to do so ever again. Supposedly claims have been made that those who have looked into the mirror have noticed apparitions around them. So those are all the hotspots identified in the Destination Fear episode. So during the initial investigation, Chelsea and Dakota separate from Tanner and Alex to cover more ground. Tanner and Alex go down to the basement while Dakota and Chelsea wander around the first floor west wing. Chelsea and Dakota experience random banging sounds above and around them, which they seemingly cannot explain, and you can hear this in the episode as well. As they go into the second floor west wing, they hear something move around down the hall from them, and when Dakota asks whatever is up there to shut a door, two loud bangs can be heard. Whether something shut a door or not, it's still spooky, and yes, you can hear it in the episode. Alex and Tanner switch searching places with Chelsea and Dakota, in which Tanner puts a digital recorder on a wheelchair outside of room 3007. As Tanner is asking questions, all four crew members, who are separated into twos, might I remind folks, hear what sounds to be a woman moaning from a distance. A little weird that they all hear this, especially considering the fact that they're all in different locations within the building. Tanner does another recording session in which they capture some unexplainable response after him and Alex agree that they hear what sounds to be people behind them talking. It's hard to pick up that audio on the viewer's end, so it kind of boils down to kind of taking their word as to what they experience, which happens a lot in these situations. Nothing further really seems to happen until the crew splits up for bedtime, aka their own individual investigations. Tanner gets shacked up in the basement, where the former slave quarters once were. Alex gets the first floor near the mirror, Dakota gets the second floor west wing, and Chelsea gets the basement hospital section. Chelsea experiences her infrared light go out randomly on her camera once she's alone, and when Tanner whips out the ovulus device, which once again is a communication device for spirits to basically talk through, he all of a sudden gets a response. So he asks, okay, who am I talking to? Who am I connecting with? And the name Paul gets said back to him through the ovulus. After the name Paul gets stated, you can hear voices behind Tanner, as if there are living people behind him down the hall speaking to one another. As Tanner gets up to investigate, the ovulus states hallway without being prompted by any questioning. This is followed by a bang, which obviously freaks Tanner out and calls the rest of the crew to do a sweep of the building. This has to be kind of another freaky factor to investigating places like this, as you have to consider that there may be 
living people who might come up on the building as well, thinking it's abandoned or vacated for the night. After the building was cleared that no one else was in the building, Tanner continued to hear people speaking and even singing from where he was. The crew gathered in the basement hospital where they and the viewer can hear what sounds to be a female scream. At this point, the crew decides to get the hell out of the building. You know what? Which fair, I'd probably be shitting my pants too if I was in their situation and just literally running for the Canadian bar. Just, you know what? This was fun while it lasted, but uh, I gotta go. <laughs> now, as the crew is outside, one of the cameras they left in the basement captured audio of what sounded to be people chanting. That kind of caps off the weirdness from the Destination Fear episode. So now let's quickly chat about the other reports I found during my research. So other reported haunts of Old Sweet include miscellaneous shadow figures being seen on the front lawn, which some believe may be fallen soldiers from the Civil War. According to the Haunt John's website, there are rumors that as many as 12 shadow people call the resort home and can be seen throughout the entire building. There have been reports of EVPs, so electronic voice phenomena, of people saying, help me. There have also been reports of phantom footsteps and lights turning on by themselves. And on top of this, a woman named Mrs. Warner allegedly died at Old Sweet in 1851, and some believe that she still haunts the grounds. In a direct quote, from the Sweet Springs Sanatorium website, quote, Mrs. Warner suddenly died at Sweet Springs as well, and some say she still visits the property. Many people say they smell rose perfume and have faintly heard a woman saying, y'all have a good night. This reportedly happens around 10 p.m. every night, right in the front entrance. I wasn't able to find any more information about Mrs. Warner, so if anyone sees anything else out there, send it my way. Now to summarize this week's weird distraction. Sweet Springs may be a good example that you shouldn't necessarily judge a book based off its cover or more specifically based off its name. Although it started off as a lavish resort for Americans' most influential folks, it would go through various changes, both within and outside of its walls that would change the path of Old Sweet. For example, when you think of a lavish resort, you more than likely don't associate that with deaths. However, after being involved in the Civil War, becoming a tuberculosis hospital and an old age home, what was once a lavish resort became presumably a location where many folks may have had their final living moments. When it comes to lives lost within the building or even on the grounds, a firm number was hard to find. I did come across some old articles confirming some deaths, such as the passing of Robert McLandish Jones on August 24th of 1913. Robert reportedly would be buried in the Lewis family plot at Old Sweet based on the Sweet Springs Sanatorium website. A letter posted on that website confirmed a child of Mr. Cabell died at Sweet Springs in October of 1839. Firm deaths of how Robert and the child passed away were not posted anywhere I could see, and once again, finding others' information was super challenging. Given the history of the building, especially considering it was once a tuberculosis hospital, I can imagine that the death toll was fairly high. However, that's just my speculation, so take that with a grain of salt. Hopefully, whoever did have their final breaths at Old Sweet are resting in some form of peace. But enough about the past, as there is a potential future for Sweet Springs. As mentioned, the current owner is trying to raise funds in order to repair the buildings on site, and maybe someday the original lavish hotel can be, as it were, once more. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen 
person about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Sissy, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Mm-hmm.